0: The collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank has grabbed international headlines. By itself, the bank is quite small. It is a regional bank based out of California in the US and it was the 16th largest bank in the US before the crash. It funds startups and venture capitalists. This segment forms a big part of its loan portfolio. In December 2022, 56% of its loans were to VCs and PEs secured by their limited partners. This is pretty unique for a bank, isn't it? The news of a bank collapsing is never good news and it always generates interest. But SVB's collapse is not about this alone. What's going on here? Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Business Line Podcast News Explained. I am Nivedita Varadarajan. In this podcast, I talk to Hamsani Karthik, Business Line Senior Assistant Editor, To understand what were the events that led to the fall of this bank and to also understand how a collapse of a bank which is in California is affecting us here in India.
1: Listen in. Uh, Hello Hamsini, why did the bank fail? So, Silicon Valley Bank is one of the largest banks in uh, the Bay Area. The bank was primarily looking at focusing on venture capitalists, startups, and so on. Um, In its prime, you know, everybody wanted to be like an SVD because uh, the bank was able to take on risks which are very non-traditional, which are very uh, unique, and it had a certain place for itself um, in the system. And um, somewhere it started the trend, you know, for other banks to think of catering to such niche demands of their uh, customers. Uh, So, in that sense of the word, it is a significant bank. Uh, But then what also happened is that um, we'll have to rewind back in time by many years. Um, U.S. traditionally is a zero interest rate economy. We've, We've seen zero interest rates for a very prolonged period of time in the U.S., And suddenly when interest rates started increasing, uh, banks like regional banks like uh, SVB, uh, today you have a host of others which are down pre-trade as well, uh, which are not able to quite manage their asset liability. What we mean by asset liability is that uh, what is it that I have as deposits, where is the source of funding coming for the bank? And how was the uh, uh, funding deployed by the bank? So that constitutes the deployment is assets, source of funding is the liabilities, right? Now, uh, what has happened with SPB in particular is that uh, during the COVID period, SPB was able to garner a lot of deposits. Its deposits actually sort of uh, uh, trebled compared to what the normal deposit base of the U.S. market was in at that point in time. Because it trebled, obviously it had to have had some uh, avenue to park the funds, to deploy the funds. That was not really happening because there was a certain amount of lull in the economy, the um, one had to also be very careful while investing money during COVID because you had to be sure about the returns, etc. Therefore, deployment during COVID and even Indian banks took a step back if uh, we go back and recall in time. Uh, the period between 2020 to twenty one, people were a little um, cautious as far as deployment was concerned and what SVB did was also similar to that. Therefore, uh, some part of the the money the funds that it had it deployed into investments um it, by investments we have two types of investments um investments held till maturity and uh, those available for sale uh, technical parlance it's abbreviated as htm and afs afs by definition is a short term instrument you sell it make money and you pocket it as a uh, income or a uh, uh, loss right htm is a tool which we hold for a certain period of time it is a long-term uh, investment tool available with the bank i mean these investments can usually have a tenure of five years seven years and so on in india a large part of our htm movement is only towards g6 and that's how the law in india is we are very very clear on how banks and where banks can deploy their excess liquidity. Whereas in the US, you have you know, very colorful instruments like mortgage backed securities and go back in time again, uh, cut to 2007, 2008, these MBS was what that really cost, or that really uh, you know gave way to uh, the subprime prices and subsequently the Lehman crisis as well. So by definition, these are very high return generating, but equally high risk carrying, coupons. Now, uh, because the bank had a lot of investments in its book, it moved a reasonable part of what was immediately available for investments into long-term investments, or those which we categorize as HDM. And even, even within the HDM, a bulk of it went towards um, mortgage-backed securities. Because these interest rates were on a rise, and the bank needed to Uh, pay its depositors at a much higher rate than it was immediately earning, it started facing asset liability management mismanagement. We call it ALM. And ALM is the fundamental of running any bank across the world. Thankfully, in India, our laws are very stringent. Our laws are very protective that banks so far have failed not because of ALM mismatch, but because of bad loan issues. But SVB is the first instance, or maybe one of the few instances globally, where you would see an ALM mismatch, giving rise to solvency issue and subsequently a bank going bankrupt, right? So what happened, these guys were scrounging for funds. So quickly, they decided to sell some amount of um, assets that, that were held in the short term, and also raise capital. Now they were able to do something with the securities that, that they had AFS on their AFS book. Uh, they raised about 21 billion, but by that time customers also so, sort of started fencing by that time, customers were also sort of sensing that there is some problem and interest rates were rising. So they didn't take a little bit of money outside the bank to park it elsewhere and all that. So I wouldn't use the word run, but it, people were beginning to feel that things weren't so fine. So there were a little bit of withdrawals happening in the system. And even the 21 billion that the bank raised by way of selling AFS, that wasn't enough for it to meet the liquidity requirements. It wanted to do a fundraise, but unfortunately, it couldn't go ahead with it. And that's why we are where we are today.
0: So why couldn't they do a fundraise? What was the issue with that?
1: Because there was already other banks which were declaring insolvency, voluntary insolvency and things like that. These are the immediate peer sets of SVB. And therefore, there was a little bit of investor apprehension, whether, you know, uh, SVB is also faced with similar problems and so on, which is a very fair apprehension. Anybody would want to think on those lines, right? So because of that, they could never launch their uh, fundraise program. And just the $21 billion wasn't enough because what they had as liabilities is at least 10 times larger than that. So, I mean, the, the, the uh, in fact, numbers state that possibly uh, even by September last year, they were on a technical insolvency kind of a position because what they had as assets uh, was uh, not sufficient enough to cover up the equity base. Um, and also the investment losses that they had from the uh, HTM book was far higher than the equity base. So in a way, um, equity was technically wiped out right from September. But I think they were just about managing to kick the can till March. And uh, they couldn't do the management for too long and the collapse happened.
0: So it is not like anyone was blindsided. If it was in public knowledge in September, what didn't the regulators do? What should they have done?
1: So in India, um, especially now, you know, with the way... The banking laws for even cooperative banks are structured. Mm -hmm. In India, almost all the banks come under the RBI purview. Mm -hmm. Whereas back in 2018, there was an amendment done uh, with sort of ring fence. you know, how many banks could be or what are the banks that could come under the Fed supervision, that could come under, you know, very close scrutiny by the Fed and so on. And the bar was raised to 700 million banks with 700 million of net worth and above. When that happened, a lot of these regional banks sort of went on to the sidelines. And that is why you're having the problem that you're having today. Uh, the reason why US went ahead and did something like that was remember in 2008 there were a lot of banks which the US had to uh, sort of uh, recover help stand on their feet through the TARP program which is a government aided rehab uh, mission for banks even Citibank went through TARP right so wait so, one second uh, so
0: that is just
1: after the uh, uh, Lehman crisis Leh- Lehman crisis there's a 2008 financial crisis. That is right. The GFC of 2008. Uh, the TART costed taxpayers a lot of money. It sucked up taxpayers money. Yeah, and yes. therefore, 10 years later, perhaps the country thought, okay, how do we, you know, sort of judiciously use taxpayers' capital? And uh, they decided to see banks by the size, by the network. At that point in time, it seemed logical. I mean, what is the smaller bank going to sort of cost as a Uh, systemic risk. But only when, uh, you know, uh, defaults like this happen, only when uh, one domino sort of falls onto another, and it starts tumbling like a a pack of cards, that's when possibly the entire system wakes up to say that, you know, maybe uh, uh, this was not the right approach in hindsight. But uh, if you look at what the Fed did, the Fed Fed has also clearly said that, you know, I'm not going to do anything. Maybe at this juncture, we'll do something to handle the depositors and that also some of the large banks uh, were reached out to to uh, pitch in and pool in money and help the depositors out. Very similar to a Yes Bank kind of a solution that we had in India back in 2020. We called it capital. Those guys are calling it uh, deposits. That's the primary difference between the two. But uh, the Fed has uh, pretty much left uh, SPB to, to solve itself. Um, which is why you had somebody like a HSDC uh, come pick it up at a, a pound and walk away with it. The reason possibly why SVB could sail through still some kind of a hand-holding was, like I said, it's not a bad bank per se. You know, it's not a, it's not a bank that doesn't have legacy, that uh, didn't attract uh, the who-who of the industry. It was a very, very respected, very well-noted bank at its prime. And if it was something that inspired a huge uh, uh, ecosystem to spring up, you know, mm-hmm. banks to fund startups and stuff like that, after that, like the Greater Bank and all that, then there were, there would have been something good about it, right? Um, so which is why HSBC too, did what it did.
0: So why are we talking about this now? So this is a bank in California. So why are we talking about it here in the Indian context? Is there an Indian context? What
1: is it? There is a very indirect Indian context to it. The mm-hmm. reason being, uh, I mean, uh, today uh, world is spherical, so all ends meet each other, uh, mm-hmm. and we're not. Uh, Uh, completely disconnected uh, economy or we're not a completely disconnected uh, uh, country any longer all of us have a lot of capital dependencies on that point that's where India has something to sort of I wouldn't want to use the word worry because it's not that alarming something to be sort of a little careful about because a lot of startups have received at some point in time or the other money from SVB. They have transacted with SVB. Their venture capitals, uh, like Pi Combinator, for instance, uh, does have exposure about 1920 startups in India. And these are companies which constantly require monitoring, which constantly require capital support, At least the comfort, you know, that capital is going to come through. But, and when something like this cracks open in the US, when a bank, which has been one of the backbones in the whole startup eco space, sort of goes bust, that will have a ripple effect. across the pvc circles and the startup and uh, the new economy companies across the globe india being a very very critical component of that we we rank in the first among the first 10 in the league tables of startups so obviously the second order hit on startups cannot be um, brushed aside we will face a little bit of it
0: so we are already startups in india and around the world are already facing a funding winter could That's this right. be a triggering point?
1: Could this intensify the winter? Maybe. But I think any which ways a lot of the startups were sort of uh, bracing for something like this. And anecdotally, if I can just share something with you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've uh, observed Shark Tank Season 1 and Shark Tank Season 2, let's not get into the debate of the programming and all that. But Shark Tank Season 1 was talking, I mean, people were willing to cut uh, straight away equity checks for whoever was in the show. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a season two, you would notice that it's a combination of debt and equity. It's nobody gets a straightforward equity check any longer at, at Shark Tank. And that should, in some way, give you a mood check. You know, already the funding space, especially in the startup ecosystem, they're beginning to understand what is debt. A lot of money is transpiring into their books in the form of debt not equity is not so easy to it's not a low hanging fruit anymore if I can put it that way so there is already a funding winter if is it going to intensify because of this that was any wish we has factored for because a lot of the free flow of funding happened largely also because zero interest rates across the globe with us being a very important country which offered zero interest rates until 2020 even uh, early 2021 that is now gradually getting withdrawn. US is at around five, India is at around six and a half, 6.75. So the gap between India and the US in terms of interest rate differential, which used to be around, you know, 6% at the peak, which came down to 4% during the pandemic has now just reduced to about one and a half percent. So you can Mm -hmm. obviously imagine the kind of uh, pressure that foreign funds are going to have you know country deployment without taking any country risk is going to yield a person five percent why would someone put it in india and there is also another layer of forex uh, uh rates here to play you've got to hedge your forex transactions so all of that is only going to be an added layer of cost when somebody is going to invest outside the home nation and these are things which will start weighing in on the um uh, capital ecosystem uh, chasing the startups
0: we are still in the early days of what can happen to svb mm. and i know that the regulations in india for banking and in the us are really really different is there yes. anything we can take away any lessons that we can take away sitting here in india from what's happening at svb
1: today in our story we highlighted about how banks are sort of uh, you know just reviewing where some of their investments into uh, the startups are sort of looking like today It's more like, you know, a status check or dip check kind of a thing rather than anything alarming as such. Mm -hmm. Um, As you mentioned rightly, the regulator, the banking regulator in India, while gets criticized for being very boring uh, vis-a-vis rest of the world, on times like these will also get so much appreciated for, for constantly erring on the side of caution than throwing it to the wind. I wouldn't say the Fed has thrown it to the wind, but the banking system, if you look at just surely the number of people there in play, is just so voluminous. Mm. And therefore, the Fed decided to, you know, sort of start really looking at who will really or who could really cause a systemic disturbance and who will cause a momentary disturbance. What we're seeing with SVB right now in the current form is only a momentary disturbance. Mm-hmm. I think we're very, very far away from a Lehman kind of a crisis personally, because Lehman was really, really, really too big to fail, which failed. And that had an implication on City, that had an implication on Merrill Lynch, uh, a lot of other things. Some of the very, uh, you know, um, uh, beautifully structured products back then uh, aren't touched by a lot of banks, even with a 10 feet pole today, so clearly mm-hmm. bankers across the world have learned something from the layman crisis. Uh, the fact that bo- boring banking is better banking is something that a lot of people are acknowledging, you know, globally, especially now with uh, Credit Sui also going through its fair share of problems, at least for the last two, two and a half years, people are beginning to realize that, you know, you, you want plain vanilla products here come Lend at a certain rate, borrow at that rate plus something, make your money. Pretty much, if you can, cross-sell a couple of products and get out of the system. Don't try to, you know, make a mess of something, cover it up with another mess, package it in a very interesting way and sell it out. That banks are beginning to realize. Um, More so in a country like India. And are we at the juncture to uh, sort of even venture into uh, any sort of a experiment? with respect to banking sector the answer yeah, is clearly no 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 we can't yeah, no, and, way near. Uh, no way near it if we really do want to be a five trillion economy we rather have a very very robust banking system than uh encounter another failure you know let's set our eyes on five trillion now
0: another thing that the indian government will never let a bank fail. i don't think yeah. that will ever happen right because we've never had bank
1: failures we've never had bank failures since
0: nationalization there has not been a bank failure right then it's going to be that way unlike in fed where there will be like maybe they'll be like it's okay if one bank fails because that's the capitalistic structure that they are in and we clearly can't go to that structure
1: not anytime soon at least in banking i completely agree with you we've had bank collapses yeah. But we've never let depositors, you know, just go bust. Go back to even Lehman. Let's go back to even the Lehman days, okay? Uh, Lehman also, what the Fed really attempted at doing was how much ever they can uh, slice and dice the whole uh, uh, balance sheet into smaller parts, sell it down, make money. They did every part of it. So mm-hmm. no government in its sane mind will say that, okay, I'm willing to take a $2 billion or a $20 billion hit to my p and People will definitely, there are assets. Maybe you can discount some part of the assets as questionable. But whatever that's not, it's just in the interest of the nation. It's just in the interest of the economy that, you know, whatever is there, let's just break it down into smaller pieces. Realize whatever we can realize. And mm-hmm. that's what India has also done. You know, take the case of from GTB to LBB to Yes Bank. Today, we are as we're talking, it's uh, Yes Bank crosses the third year. Of uh, coming out of all the restrictive uh, clauses, and um, it's everything is a case of fabulous, uh, you know, turnaround. And some of the acquisitions that we've had in India because of trouble. Take the case of even um, uh, CBOP and HTHC or Bank of Madura and ICICI. Each of these distressed acquisitions has only helped the respective banks grow bigger and bigger. That's mm-hmm. what is playing out with DBS and LDD as well. So um uh, these sort of things are also sometimes, you know, blessing in disguise because <laughs> if somebody has to go shopping for these things, you'll never get them in the market for mm-hmm. that reason, right? So, so you so take so every as an opportunity. So there life.
0: we have it. Our two takeaways from this is boring banking is good business for the country. And also maybe there's a... Great opportunity for SVB and its uh, investors soon. Maybe somebody big will buy them. Like
1: what it HBS? has, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, only but for I their think...
0: UK subsidiary. Maybe maybe some cool new thing is going to happen to SVB and this is an opportunity for them too. So we'll wait and watch and get all the latest news as they happen. Thank you, Hamsani, for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.